Well, are you guys ready to kick this series off on the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. That is commonly used and it comes from the King James Version. And it's interesting to me because I think it actually developed a culture, a culture where for some reason the way that we define ghosts in our minds is we think that the Holy Spirit is spooky or something. And I want to just undo that whole thing. And I want to share with you, not just on who the Holy Spirit is. First of all, how many know that the Holy Spirit is not power? He's not an object and he's not an it. He is a person and he is God. Holy Spirit is the third member of the Godhead. He's, he is God. Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is God. Um, I want to I share with you a little bit of foundation today. I'm going to talk about uh, what happens to us when we become saved. Sometimes, depending on our background, we think that uh, maybe, you know, there is no, like, distinguishing between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So are you ready to get into that this morning? A little bit of teaching? Okay, let's pray. Um, I'm going to have Vanna, I mean Rochelle, come up and do a little Vanna White up here. Um, you don't have to stand up yet, but if you want to, you can, but (laughs) let's pray. Lord, uh, first of all, we want to thank God that he raises the dead because how many know Chris is back and his dad is alive and well, come on. And, and I don't, I don't know if you know this and you're going to have a chance because I I think I want to do an interview, a dead raising interview, because we've seen, I know of three people. Um, that have literally been raised from the dead. One of them is in this church. And, uh, and the third is recently, as of recent, Chris's dad. All of the doctors were completely astounded. You're going to hear more details on this. I don't want to tell you all of it now. But uh, one of the doctors, which from what I hear was the most negative one, they called him Dr. Doom. I thought that was his real name. I'm like, what kind of name is that? I want another doctor. Please get me another doctor. Chris just called him Dr. Doom. He was very negative. This is what Dr. Doom said, that it was not our medical practice that got your dad better. And we don't know why he's better, but he's better. All all of them thought he was going to die, right? The nurses, the doctors, complete turnaround. Um, He was dead for not sure how long, 20 to 40 minutes. Dead. Dead. Uh, They did like... Uh, again, you're going to hear more details. I just have to share just a little bit with you. They did the, what is that called? Where they, the paddles 12 times. They usually don't do more than six. They give up. They gave up. And um, it wasn't until Chris got on the phone with his mom and began to just declare life and the promises of God, heartbeat and breathing came back. And it was just miraculous. They thought he'd be brain dead. Well, he's talking, walking, cracking jokes, laughing at Chris's jokes. Um, God is good. Come on and give him a shout of praise. How many are glad that our worship pastor and his wife and his family are back in town? Come on. Great worship this morning. That first song he wrote out of some of the, uh, could you see the lyrics about God raising the dead and God is good. So Lord, we thank you for that. You are faithful and you're good. And we thank you that you are, you're growing us up and maturing us in the authority of heaven. 
that, Lord, we are called and commissioned and sent out with authority over sickness and disease to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, to open blind eyes, Lord, to, to bring wholeness to a broken people, Lord. And we thank you that, Lord, as a body, we will be known as a people of God that demonstrate the gospel in power, not just in word. And Father, I thank you that that is the full gospel according to Romans and Paul, that he said the full gospel is followed by signs and wonders. And God, we thank you for rich encounters uh, with your love, rich encounters with healing power, that every believer in this room and every Christian has authority to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover according to Mark chapter 16. So Lord, we just thank you for what you've done in Chris's dad. We thank you that Wayne is alive and well and recovering. And even last night was his best night yet. God, we just rejoice. You are good. What a testimony. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Many times the doctors would come in and he would say, nope, the word of the Lord says this. And he would correct them. I'm sure they got sick of it. I'm sure Dr. Doom was sick of it. But one, it was, once it was all said and done, what, what could he say? He said, it was not our medical science that made your dad better. Amazing. Come on. God is so good. Well, I'm going to preach on resurrection now. Forget this whole series. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. So we have a plain whiteboard, and uh, it's just going to stay like that. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Let me get serious now. Wake up. Wake up, Zach. Wake up. Wake up. Hold on. Let me do some jumping jacks real quick. You want to stand with me and do some jumping jacks? Okay. Um, 1 Corinthians. Everybody said no. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's start this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read a verse to you. I want to talk to you about Holy Spirit. Everyone say Holy Spirit. It's good to get in the habit of saying Holy Spirit. Because you don't say... You don't really say the God or you don't say the Jesus. You just say Holy Spirit. He's a person and he loves us and he wants to glorify Jesus. He wants to reveal to you what your inheritance is. He wants to reveal to you who you are in Christ. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus taught about him in John chapter 14. He said the helper's going to come. He's going to show you things to come. He's going to teach you things, bring things to your remembrance. He's the one like me that will come along your side and help you. There's so many things in the spirit realm. We're getting ready to have our alternative to Halloween, our harvest festival. Um, and, and we want to do that not only uh, to have a safe environment, but also an alternative, you know, that, that we don't need to be scary and all that stuff because there are there, there are things that go on on Halloween that are demonic. I'm not going to get into in depth into that, but I want to talk to you about the spirit realm because there are things that the spirit of God wants to manifest and reveal to you and you can't be afraid of them. You have to open your heart because it comes from Jesus and we should be a people that live supernaturally naturally. We should be, a, let me hear you say amen to that one. Come on. We should be a people that know how to release heaven. We should be a people right now um, our Bible school or our school of theology and supernatural living. We just launched it. We're on our fourth week. And how many are loving that? Those of you that are enrolled, we have, we have about 50 students enrolled and, uh, it's incredible what God's doing. And we are teaching people and we're equipping people to live supernaturally, naturally that you can release heaven, that you can matter of fact, the homework this week was for, for everyone to bring somebody into an encounter with God, like 
bring, bring healing to them physically, spiritually, emotionally, or just tell them about the love of Jesus and demonstrate the gospel in power. And so um, we want to we equip you as the church to understand that the Holy Spirit is not scary. He's not a ghost. He is God. He's not a power. He is a person. And you need to understand that, that the Holy Spirit wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. He wants to mature you in the love of God. And I want to talk to you a little bit before I get into uh, our main text, which will be Ephesians chapter 1. I want to share with you about what happens and the difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and, and the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So if you're taking notes, I would recommend you take notes because this will be good. Maybe you've never seen it this way before, but let me, let me share it with you so you can understand uh, these baptisms uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never heard it put that way, but that grammar-wise, uh, grammar they're different for a reason. And we're going to look at why. Theologically, they're different for a reason. One is known as the indwelling, where the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes you in the body of Christ. And then there's the baptism with the Holy Spirit, where Jesus baptizes you with the power of the Holy Spirit. So one is the indwelling and one and both should be a part of the Christian experience. We can look in Acts, some uh, evangelicals, not a huge amount, but Western evangelicals try to say it's all one event. Um, But scripture is pretty clear that it is two different events. So I want to share that with you because I want you to know that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is for you. You, uh, that if, if you've believed and you've believed in Jesus and you're born again and you've been water baptized, the promise is to you and to all who are far off, according to Acts 2.38 and 2.39, and God wants to empower you with the Holy Spirit. He has a bunch of gifts for you, but the main gift he has is himself, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to manifest. We're going to get into the series on the gifts. We're going to do a very inductive uh, intentional study on all the nine gifts of the Spirit. We're going to look at the difference of the gifts of Christ in Ephesians 4, the gifts of God the Father in Romans 12, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is known as the charisma gift. That's the Greek word for gift. And we're going to look at all the charisma gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. We're going to look at what those mean. How many have ever had questions about tongues in the church, speaking in tongues? You know, even the sound of it, like tongues, it just sounds weird. It sounds like tongues. When I was a kid, it comes from the King James. It means languages. And so we're going to just undo all the spooky stuff, and we're going to ask the tough questions, and we're also going to undo the religious stuff that has an offense against the gift of tongues. And we're also going to help you undo maybe an offense that could be in your heart or in your mind against the Holy Spirit. Because that could be one of the the most robbing things to you as a believer is if you have an offense against the Holy Spirit, you are going to miss out on some blessing, some spirit empowerment. Are you ready? Okay, that's your introduction. And go. Okay, Rochelle, I need your help. I need a number one, and I want you to write this. I want you to write... Um, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling. Can you make it a little smaller so everybody can see it? Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you have plenty of room. Like you can go all the way across. Actually, write this. Number one, write the baptism. The baptism 
of and write of big baptism. Praise the Lord. I don't know how to spell it either. Oh, I feel smart now. Of the of both caps. Yeah. Of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then in brackets, I want you to put indwelling. Holy Spirit. So right under that, right above of, you can put indwelling. Indwelling. Okay, now I want to read a scripture to you. Are you ready? Now, maybe you've never heard it this way, but I want to help you understand theologically what happens when you're born again, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Um, In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read to you verse 13. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Say that with me. Say, for by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And then it says, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one Spirit. Okay, hear me. The Holy Spirit, when you receive Christ, Christ comes to dwell in your heart. The Holy Spirit baptized you into Jesus. The Holy Spirit, it says we've been baptized by the, whole, by the Spirit into one body. Now this can also be known as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20, Jesus is resurrected. He breathes on the disciples. He does that breathing thing, you know, like Benny Hinn does. Benny Hinn stole it from Jesus. He breathes on him and says, receive the Holy Spirit. At that point, theologically, it's most likely they were born again at that point. They were regenerated. The seed of God's word, 1 Peter 1.23, went in their hearts and they were made new creations in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It also says that, um, that Jesus, Galatians 4, came and dwelt in our hearts when we believed. So when you believe, when you repent, when you believe, when you turn your heart to a loving God, when you say, Jesus, you're Lord, and you open your heart, you say, Jesus, I love you. I surrender to your love. He comes in and you're born again. Amen? When you're born again, the Holy Spirit indwells you. He lives inside of you, and He'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit is God. Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. He lives inside you. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So now your body is holy. So what happens is, the Holy. this is different than the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit, by the way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit baptizes you in Christ and now you are, say this with me, say, I am in Christ. If you're born again, you're in Christ. And come on, somebody, that is a good place to be. Nobody can pluck you out of His hand and no one can pluck you out of the Father's hand. You are in Christ. And when you know who you are in Christ, everything in your life changes. When you renew your mind to who you really are on the inside of your heart, you begin to transform, as Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, the outward man's perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. You've put off the old man, and God gave you a new nature. So the baptism of is when the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, he says the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. You're born again. The Spirit of God's working on your heart. Jesus said that uh, no one comes to me unless the Spirit draws him. So the Spirit of God's pouring out. 
upon all flesh right now, all across the earth. It's been happening since Pentecost. God's Spirit is being poured out. And when you receive it, the Spirit baptizes you in Christ. He pulls you in to the reality of the covenant that God made with Jesus. Now you are in fact a part of that covenant blessing and your sins are forgiven. You're given a new nature. I know I'm teaching a lot, but let me get this. Are you guys with me so far? You are in Christ because the Spirit pulls you into Christ. Amen? That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, also known as the indwelling. Not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Of and with are totally different. In and with, the same thing. Totally different. The baptism of is when the Spirit baptizes you in Christ. So the Spirit baptizes you in Christ. Got it? Next, uh, let's do number two. Uh, Let's just do, for conversation's sake, do a small number two. No, don't do a small number two. Just do a regular number two. And just put, uh, but there's a number three, so save room. So put um, the disciple baptizes you in water. The disciple baptizes you in water. Put you on the spot, Rochelle. Why do you think I asked you to do it? (laughs) The disciple, there you go. The disciple baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Okay, everyone knows Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Everybody understand that scripture? Nope, okay, Matthew 28. People are looking at me like they don't, so I'm I'm just going to say it. Um, Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe what I command you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we are baptized. When you believe, what does the Bible say? It says you should be baptized in water, which is the understanding that we're buried with Christ and our old man is dead. Our flesh is cut away. We're crucified with him. It's the outward prophetic prophetic act that I am totally Uh, dead in Christ and then made alive. And now I should walk in newness of life as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. My heart has been circumcised. I've been given a heart of flesh according to Ezekiel uh, 36, that God has now given me a new heart, put a new spirit within me. And the water baptism is part of the command of Jesus. And it, it doesn't have to be done by a pastor. Come on, somebody has to be done by a disciple, a mature disciple somebody that knows what they're doing, a father, a mother, somebody that is a disciple. Um, And so disciples baptize us in water. Everybody get it? Okay, number three, Jesus, Jesus is spelled J-E-S-U-S. I'm sorry, is that rude? Okay, you're so pretty today. Oh my gosh, so lovely. I'm distracted. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And then next to with, you can put in brackets in because it's the same thing. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter three, turn in Matthew chapter three, real quick. Matthew chapter three. Are you guys enjoying this so far? I just want you to understand the difference that when you believe and when you're baptized, Jesus wants you to know that he wants you to receive the Holy Spirit, the endowment of power. He doesn't just want to give you the gift of tongues. He does want you to have that. He wants you to have all the gifts. He wants you to have the gift, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist um, is, is speaking here and he says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me 
is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So now the first scripture we looked at, the Holy Spirit was the baptizer, and he baptized you in Christ. That's when you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You're born again. Amen? But then you're called to be baptized in water. And we'll see in just a moment. I'm going to go through a couple scenarios in the book of Acts, which is really the only historical we have an account of the New Testament record of the power of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles and working in the lives of people. And so we're going to see uh, right here in this verse in Matthew 3.11, which, by the way, I'm going to tell you in just a moment, is in every single gospel. And I'm going to talk about the importance of that. So Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. So when, when we're born again, we're baptized uh, into Christ. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So I don't want to get us too confused as far as our grammar of the difference between with or in and of. But it, there is a difference. So this I want you to get as the number one is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is when He indwells us. He comes to make His home within us. And He lives within us. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, is the ultimate purpose of the church. And out of that, we see it on the day of Pentecost. We see it in Ephesians chapter 2. The purpose of the church is not to have uh, potlucks. The purpose of the church ultimately is not to just do evangelism. Did you know that? The purpose of the church is not to make disciples. It's to be a dwelling place for God. And out of that empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes all of those wonderful things that God has commissioned us to do, which includes potlucks. Come on, somebody. The disciple baptizes us in water. So we have, uh, we're baptized uh, in Christ, okay? So we're baptized in Jesus. We're baptized in water. And then we're baptized in or with the Holy Spirit. That's the fun stuff right there. That's what God wants. God wants to empower us from on high. So in Matthew, just so you know, those of you that may not know this, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. They're the gospels that have similar settings and they generally record the birth of Jesus and the third ministry or the third year of ministry of Jesus versus John. John is not a synoptic gospel. John is a little bit different and John records um, pretty much all three years of Jesus's ministry. There's stories that are not in the other gospels, but there's one thing for sure that is in every three gospels and that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I think that's important for us to understand that there's a reason God inspired the the disciples to write that all three, obviously the death, burial, and resurrection is in all three, but also the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because it's important that we understand we could be saved and water baptized, but if we have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment, then we are missing out. God wants to empower us. There is a distinguishing in Scripture between these two. And it's important we understand the difference and we do not rob ourselves of our inheritance. Now, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, how many are familiar? You can sit down for a minute, honey. Would you give Vanna a hand? Come on, somebody. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God comes. They're gathered in one place. There's 120 of them. They're praying. They're waiting on the promise of the Father. Say the promise of the Father. And they're waiting on this promise. The Spirit comes. They're empowered. They, they speak in other languages, some in heavenly, some in earthly languages. We see later through Scripture. Um, and, then, and then it goes on, and you see these, these accounts in the book of Acts. One is in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19. 
One in Acts chapter 8, um, we see that... Uh, let, let's just turn there real quick. I think I have time to do this. Yeah, I do have time. Acts chapter 8. Let's turn to Acts chapter 8. Are you guys there? I mean, are you with me? Just turn wherever the Spirit leads you. Acts chapter 8. Okay, there's some people that believed and they were baptized. And then, uh, and how many know the, the story of Simon the sorcerer? I'm going to start reading at verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it says they heard the word and they believed. They received the word of God. What does that mean? They were believers. Hello? But they had yet to receive the Holy Spirit. So when you believe and you receive by faith, you receive salvation Right? Through faith, by grace, you're born again. You're baptized into Christ. They had already received that. They received the washing of the blood of Jesus over their life. Then it says, verse 16, For the, as yet He, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them, for, he, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had already been baptized in water too. So they believed and they were baptized in water by a disciple but they had yet to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 17, Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles, uh, that the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power, that anyone who I may lay hands on will receive the Holy Spirit. Um, Then he gets rebuked, and I'm not going to get into that story right now. But you see the distinguishing between believing and being in Christ being water baptized, and receiving the Holy Spirit. Everybody get it? Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts chapter 10 is another one. You don't need to turn there, but I'll quickly show you uh, or or tell you about it. It was in a different order, and I think it was for a reason. They had believed, and then they didn't know whether there was a Holy Spirit or not. I think that could be a life verse for some churches, but that's another message. So... uh, They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they were baptized in water. And this is when the Spirit of God fell upon a non-Jew, which to me, it shows the heart of God that he was so eager. He's like, let's just skip the whole water thing, and let's just get him filled with the Holy Ghost. They can get baptized in water later. God was so eager to dwell in a non-Jew because that was part of the promise that the Messiah would bring. Isn't that incredible? So read Acts chapter 10 when you get a chance. Acts chapter 19, let me read this. The reason I'm showing you this is so you see... There is a distinguishing in Scripture. I felt like I really needed to lay this foundation. So when we talk about the Spirit of God, you understand that you are indwelt with the Spirit in Christ. You're baptized in water, which, by the way, if you haven't been baptized in water, you need to be. And then you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't received that yet, you need to. And we're going to give you an opportunity to. So in Acts chapter 19, we see Paul, the same, a similar account. There's believers... And they're baptized. And then it says here, this is the verse that I was talking about in verse uh, 2 of chapter 19 of Acts. We have not heard so much as whether there is a Holy Spirit. And then verse 3, it says, And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And he said, Into John's baptism. 
Then Paul said, John indeed baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they baptized him in water. And when Paul had laid hands on him, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Come on, somebody. It's very clear in Scripture that there's a difference between believing and being born again and being empowered when Jesus then baptizes us with or in the Holy Spirit. I make it clear enough? Now, let me just show you a couple interesting things in Scripture. Um, one of them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You don't have to turn there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. How many know that Moses is a type of Christ? We all know that. He was the deliverer. There was one prophetic uh, prophecy that's, that basically said that I will send you a prophet like Moses, speaking of Jesus. Now, Moses being a type of Christ, listen to this. It says in or 1 Corinthians 10, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware uh, that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. Verse 2, all were baptized, uses the same word. Are you ready? You're going to see all three baptisms here. All were baptized into Moses, which is a type of Christ. Holy Spirit baptized you in Christ. Got it? In the cloud, what's that? That's the Holy Spirit, the glory cloud, and in the sea. All three of them. Isn't that powerful? Now turn over real quick to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I like teaching sometimes. I do like preaching, but I like teaching. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. It's interesting that it's in threes. I think that it, it has to do with the reality that through the incarnation of Jesus that we are now reconciled to God and we become a part of this family. We become sons and daughters to the Father. We become brethren to Jesus. And we become a part of this family of God. Now look, it says that there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Look at verse 8. Are you ready? And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are one. Would you give me the marker? There are three that bear witness on earth. Sweet Jesus, take the cap off. Thank you. What does it say? First John 5, 8. Three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. Isn't that awesome? So this is what happened to you when you got saved. Now turn to Ephesians, our main text. I have 10 minutes to do this and we can get through it. Are you ready? Man, I almost want to save this for next week. What should I do? Because there's so, no, but it, it's really good. Like it's really, really good. So make you come back to church. <laughs> oh man. I'm contemplating. Okay, I'm going to do it today. Come on, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yay, I'm going to do it. Praise God. 
Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read it together. I'm going to read you a couple verses. This is so powerful. Okay, now I want to talk to you just a little bit about something that burns in my heart. I, I really think that there is uh, a large portion of the body of Christ that's offended at the Holy Spirit. And you know that offense, and we talk about offense in this church a lot. Like, I could be offended at you for you hurting me. And, and you know, I could tell someone else about my offense. And if they are wounded and they're not whole and they don't understand their identity as a son or a daughter, it's easy for them to get offended. And they might not even be offended at me, but they can pick up someone else's offense because they're wounded. In other words, the spirit of offense is kind of like a bad cologne or perfume. And you're like, oh, you wear that too. That's nice. I better go get me some. And it literally rubs off. And I think that this is what's happened in the body of Christ. Unfortunately, somebody, it's it's very similar. And I'm going to use an illustration here in just a moment. Um, But it's similar to, you know, like if you go get your oil change somewhere or you go to a particular business. Oh, don't go there. I had a really bad experience. You're expecting a bad experience. So you're going to literally only retain anything negative about the customer service at the business. So what happens is we retain negatively based upon somebody else's offense. Are you hearing me this morning? And sometimes because of charismatic Pentecostal circles, there are things that happen that are not all God. There are people, the way they respond to the Lord And it's not all the Holy Spirit, but we think that for some reason, like, I don't want any of that because I I heard people had a bad experience there or it was weird or it was uncomfortable or they speak in tongues or whatever. And we have this offense and we literally shun who the Holy Spirit is with all of his gifts. And I want to talk to you about your inheritance Man, I really don't know if I... Okay, I'm going to just do it. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. I might not give this to the second service though. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read to you... um, I'm just going to read you a few verses. Verse 11, Ephesians chapter 1. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That... We who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of His glory. Verse 13, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Understand that language of promise. Now, I want you to take note that it's most likely Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, and he's probably talking about the account that we just read in Acts chapter 19 when they received the Holy Spirit after they believed and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. It uses the language of promise. So some people read verse 13 and say that was when, that was this event right here. But I think that it was most likely this event because all of them are important and all of them are necessary and all of them are a part of God's plan for our lives. So here's the verse I want to unpack. It says here, verse 14, the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee, say guarantee, of our inheritance until the redemption of our purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. The Holy Spirit helps reveal God's inheritance to us 
we mature, we grow, we understand who God is, who Jesus is. He glorifies Jesus. He reveals the heart of the Father. So I want to focus on this word guarantee for a minute. Some translations use the word um, signet. Say signet. Now I want to show you something. I need your, just a moment. I want to show you something here. Um, one of the definitions, and I want to show you three definitions that could be plausible, and I want to tell you which one I think is the best definition. So this is one of the definitions, a signet. Now, signet was on the ring of someone that was royalty or a king. So what would happen is uh, a seal or a signet on a letter. Let's say that a king was writing a letter, a promise to a city that redemption and order would come to that city. So the king would then send a letter, and it probably looked just like this, right? Um, and it actually had a little seal on it. And if, I don't know if you can see from there, but this, there's like a little seal on it. And then at the bottom, there was a seal that only the king had on his ring that stayed on his finger, and he would seal it. So those reading the letter would say, this is sealed with the king's signet. In other words, his signature. And, and it was something that assured them that the king's word would be accomplished. Does that make sense? One of the definitions could be that it is a signet. The Holy Spirit is our signet, our signature, our, uh, our guarantee that Jesus is going to fulfill his word and that we're going to be, uh, we're going to continue to see the kingdom advance. I'm going to hand this to you while you're taking your notes. So hold on to that. I want you to hold on to that. But now even in that, I think that there, there are things that are lacking um, in that definition, which I'll get to in just a moment. Now, the second one would be that it's possible that it's talking about, would you say this with me? Say down payment. Now, how many know, um, how many know when you buy a house, you usually have to put down earnest money? Have you ever done that? Who's ever done that? And, and now earnest money is basically your good faith as a purchaser that you're going to finish the transaction and purchase the rest of the property. So here I have stacks of million dollar bills, which they're not real. It's actually chocolate. Don't tell. Well, it smells like good chocolate too. Dollar store. So one definition is that, that the Holy Spirit is like an earnest money deposit and we're sealed. So this can be, we can find this in scripture where, and it looks something like this, like the Holy Spirit shows in good faith, like this is this is something I'm giving. I'm giving it to you, Paige. Okay, you have an earnest money deposit of the Holy Spirit. Don't eat it. <laughs> now, she has, she has earnest money. She has a down payment that is assuring her um, of the purchase, that we would be the purchase possession. Now, I, I want to I talk about, before I go to the third definition, which I think is the best definition, but I want to talk about what I see can happen in both of these. And, and I want to use a, a, an illustration to you that I'm familiar with. But in the first one, how many know a letter is not very personal? I mean, it can be personal, but it's one thing to get a letter from someone. It's another to know them face to face and really know their heart and really know. And what happens sometimes is that there can be a lack of understanding of who the Holy Spirit is in our life, that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Holy Spirit is not so much just a signature on a letter as he is somebody who speaks to us, who leads us, who guides us. He's our friend. He sticks close to us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Come on, somebody. And we find ourselves lacking in our relationship with God if we see the Holy Spirit as a distant individual. 
And many times we live our life that way, the way we've even defined them as a power and not a person or as an object and not a third member of the Godhead. He is God and he wants to talk to us and we should have a relationship with him and we should open our hearts to Holy Spirit and we should be yielded. And one of the things that happens is we get offended at the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm going to use this natural illustration, earnest money deposit. I used to be in the mortgage business, so I dealt with uh, the finance side. And there were sometimes people would come in, whether they uh, had bought a house or not, they had probably heard about somebody's horrible experience about buying a house. And the whole time they're sitting with me or the whole time they're working with the realtor, they had a fence in their heart towards the whole industry, although they needed a loan and they needed a real estate agent in order to help them acquire what they wanted to acquire. And I found myself sometimes dealing with people picking up somebody else's offense and then it would actually hinder their own transaction because they're constantly thinking negative about everything that's happening and it actually hindered and sometimes it actually stifled their even ability to buy a house, believe it or not. And I think it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes if we see him as just an earnest man, if we don't see him as a person, we don't see how valuable he is, if we don't see his value, then we will say, well, all those charismatics are just crazy and they speak in tongues and I don't want none of that. But if we stop and look at the biblical narrative of who the Holy Spirit is, that all of the gifts come with who he is. And you cannot say, I don't like the gifts, but I, I like Jesus, but I don't, I don't want any of the gifts. You've heard me say this before, but that's like saying, I, I love you, Rochelle, but I don't like your face. It doesn't work, does it? I get smacked upside my head if I said that. So the Holy Spirit is not just a down payment, is he? Sometimes we get offended at him. Sometimes we pick up other people's offense at the Holy Spirit, and there's this offense in our hearts, and we, and we grow in this offense. There are members... Of, of the body of Christ. And, and let me say, there are people that are genuine, they love God, and they're, and they're most likely born again. I say most likely because uh, I have reservations in my heart because I wonder how some in, in the body can actually exclude many, hundreds of millions of people that have experienced the charisma gifts of the Holy Spirit and exclude them from the universal church. I want you to know that it is a lie from the pit of hell that says the gifts died off with the apostles. I want you to know that cessationalism is a lie that will hinder you from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And you've got to know your inheritance. Say, my inheritance. Which leads me to the last illustration, which I think is the best. Rochelle, would you stand up? Vanna, ladies and gentlemen, Vanna. Thank you for that one golf clap over on the side. Let's try it again. Ladies and gentlemen, Rochelle Wexler. Now, I'm the Holy Spirit. You're a person, but you're also the bride of Christ. In order for me to show my love for you and for, for me to show my inheritance to you, I'm not just going to give you a letter that has my stamp on it or just an earnest money deposit, but I'm going to show you that, that, that I have... Uh, that you have my heart. And I'm going to show you that, that I, 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 you are the object of my affection and I'm all for you. I'm the Holy Spirit and I'm your helper. I'm the one who, uh, who's going to come alongside and never leave you nor forsake you. 
So this word inheritance or this word, uh, I'm sorry, this word down payment or guarantee is erabon in the Greek. Say erabon. Everyone say it. Erabon. Now say, I speak Greek. Now say, opa. Okay, that was good. Okay, so I want you to understand in the culture that this is most likely the definition of what erabon is. It's not just a signet. And it's not just an earnest money deposit. But in order for the Holy Spirit to show us who He really is, it's personal. It's, it's very personal. It's very, it's very much about love. It's very much about relationship. And it's very much about covenant. So today, if I went to Greece um, and, I, and I asked somebody, you know, uh, or I said, you know, what is an erabon? Most likely this is what they'd say. And if, as the Holy Spirit... I would say, I'm going to give you, to show you how much I love you, I'm going to propose to you, and I'm going to give you a very precious gem or stone, which in this case, it's a diamond. And I'm going to put this ring on your finger, and this is my promise to you that we will be one and that we are one. This is a promise of love. This is a promise of relationship. So in essence, the down payment is more than likely this definition, it's a personal understanding. This is your inheritance. Let me put the ring on your finger. And then I'm put in the Holy Spirit has sealed us. The Holy Spirit has given us his promise. And he says, you're the bride of Christ. And, and this is, this is really what our inheritance is all about. Would you give Rochelle a hand? Come on, somebody. Isn't that incredible? The Erebon. So now it's interesting too, in the culture, in the Greek culture, if, if a, uh, a lady gets a ring, an Erebon from a man, and he breaks his promise to her, he can't have the ring back. In America, it'd be like, oh, sister, can I get that ring back? Nope, you can't. It's non-refundable. But one of the reasons I want to share this with you is because one of the reasons we see him far and one of the reasons we get offended is because we don't understand the value of Holy Spirit. Not just the person of the Godhead, but the value of Holy Spirit. Now, what's more valuable? An earnest money deposit, a letter, or something that is personal and something that is about love and covenant, like a ring that goes on your finger and doesn't leave? And that's what the Holy Spirit is to us. The Holy Spirit, let me read it to you, who is the guarantee, the erabon of our inheritance. See, the Holy Spirit has put a ring on your finger. He's given you a guarantee, a seal. He has sealed you with the promise that one day we will all, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, become one. Ultimately, the consummation that we're one in Christ And that is what this covenant is all about, that God would mature a bride for his son, which, by the way, the spirit of God is the one who does that. He helps us mature in love so that we can be the bride, mature, spotless for his son. Can we close in prayer? So I want you to, if you, if you feel like you're dealing with offense at the Holy Spirit, or you feel like he's far, let's just undo. Don't agree with that lie. And let's, let's just pray, God, would you just open up our hearts and our eyes and show us how valuable Holy Spirit is and that how personal this relationship is with Holy Spirit, that it's about love, it's about covenant. And Lord, we thank you that 
the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is to us and to all that you call to yourself, God. And Father, we just receive right now that revelation that you are so valuable to us. So Holy Spirit, we, we just say right now, we renounce any offense. Would you say that with me? Say, I renounce any offense that I've had towards you. Forgive me if I've grieved you or quenched you in any way. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I release any, uh, I'm just praying this now. Lord, I release any offense toward people that maybe have misrepresented who you are. And Father, I thank you for the culture of heaven that you're teaching us that you're not spooky, you're not a ghost, you're God. And you're the spirit of love and you're the spirit of fire. And Lord, we thank you that we can receive you and receive empowerment from heaven so that we can live for you and have relationship with you. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give God thanks right now? Come on. Would you take that? Let me dismiss you. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you feel like, you know, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I've been indwelt. I'm in Christ. I've been baptized in water. Maybe you haven't been baptized in water, but you can still receive the Holy Spirit, but you still need to be baptized in water. But I want you, I want our prayer team, would you quickly come, um, whoever's available, and just stand right up here to my right. Anyone that wants to receive the endowment of power, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, come. Maybe you need prayer for healing. You need prayer for salvation. You want to surrender your life to Jesus. If you need any prayer at all, I want you to come. Um, those of you that it's your first time, again, we welcome you and thank you for coming. Hope you felt at home. We love you. Please get connected. We want to meet you. Um, and I want to dismiss you as those that need prayer come. But make sure you love some people before you go. Amen. Father, bless your people. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.